Hey there, and welcome back to the second season of the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. We have some amazing interviews for you this spring. First of all, we talk about how to align with the seasons of the moon. We also touch in on maternal mental health and finding your purpose and passion inside and outside of motherhood. Remember to subscribe and send the podcast to your friend who might benefit from it. We all could use a little more empowerment these days. See you inside the episode. Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. Hey there, mamas, and welcome back to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel, and today is our last episode of our spring season, and I cannot think of a better guest than my dear chosen sister, Elizabeth Sauter. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. I'm so excited for this conversation. This is something that you and I talk about, you know, almost all the time is self-care and self-compassion. And so I'm really looking forward to bringing it to our audience. Um, And I love that you have specific ways that we can implement. Um, So we're going to dive into all of that. Before we do, I have two questions for you. First question, who are you? And what is the work that you do in the world? And then the second question is, what does empowerment mean to you? Well, first of all, I'm just like giddy with excitement to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You and I talk all the time. And so now it's just nice to share our conversations with the greater community. So I'm Elizabeth Sauter. Um, Who I am as a professional is a, a speech and language pathologist by trade. I um, have been in the field for 25 plus plus years. I keep saying 25 years, so it's more than that. Don't want to do the calculations, really. Um, focusing on social emotional learning. I raised my hand back in grad school to take a client and they had autism and I just got super fascinated. And um, But it ended up being more than just an interest professionally for me. I have a cousin with a son with autism and helped him with communication and diagnosis and all the things. I grew up with a sister, multiply disabled, who had communication challenges and regulation challenges. And my two boys have a squiggly path in terms of their learning and regulation styles. And I, too, uh, have... um, challenges with reading and was diagnosed this last summer with dyslexia. I've always known that I've been dyslexic, but um, I wanted to have my friend formally check the box. So I did that. And so it's definitely um, a life endeavor, not just a profession. I've had a center, multidisciplinary center with social groups and occupational therapy and executive functioning support. And I um, do trainings and have books and resources and it's just a passion for me, but I really hone in. My passion project right now is supporting parents just like me to support Mm -hmm. kids with social emotional learning. And 
What empowerment means to me, uh, so many things, but I think the one that I, that just keeps, you know, top of mind right now is thinking about growing and always developing myself and gaining knowledge. And um, then I also feel very empowered by sharing that knowledge. I've been called the butterfly catcher and releaser because you can catch these beautiful gems, but you can't hold them. Mm-hmm. Similar to you probably with, you know, all the work that you do. It's just, you know, it's, I I love the connection piece of it and just geeking out with other like-minded professionals and parents on everything, social, emotional learning and mental health. Mm-hmm. Can you say a little bit about what social emotional learning is for those who don't really know what that is? Yeah. So um, it's a, it's it's become very popular now in the schools. They're actually, you know, it was a fight to get it into the curriculum for a long time, but now it's just sort of common in most schools. And the um, there's an organization called castle.org where there's a ton of research and, you know, you can find curriculum on there and they have five components of social emotional learning and they relate to um, awareness of yourself, awareness of others, being able to interact with others, um, being able to regulate your own emotions and then being able to problem solve and be a responsible decision maker. So it's really like everything related to navigating the social world, interacting with others. And before you can do that, you have to regulate your own emotions. And then there's the executive functioning piece, which is the managing and anything to do with executing a task, you know, initiating, planning, time management, all those things, being able to start and finish tasks or goals in life. Thank you for for giving us kind of a definition. It seems it sounds basic, and yet so many of us are, you know, as adults are still striving for that emotional regulation and don't always know how we can regulate ourselves, let alone how we can help our kids regulate. I just read an article actually on the highest paid executors um, executives in the world have really strong social emotional development and skills. And if you think about it, it's like, you know, in the world of jobs, like people don't get, um, you know, your only break in the world is like, you know, your lunch break or things like that. So like being able to regulate yourself through tax tasks and long days and difficult conversations is so challenging. And the number one reason why people get fired is because they don't get along well with others is not because they can't, do the tasks of the job. It's because they don't have the skills to interact with their colleagues or their clients or whatever it might be. So interesting. And so the job that we often talk about here on this podcast, I think the most important job of all time is that of mom. And yet we don't necessarily have, um, have training in how we can really show up as our best selves inside of this role as mom. We don't have a boss that we need to report to. I don't think our children are necessarily our bosses. Certainly our partners aren't. And we don't have colleagues often, you know, even our friends. It's not the same as having someone who you like really talk about the the grittiness of the job. So where do you think community comes into play around what you call self-care and self-compassion and regulation. 
Um, well, I, I want to back up a minute because not only is there no boss and there's no like, you know, training and there's, there, there's no interview process. I mean, it's just like, we're just, you know, flailing kind of figuring this out. And um, the community to me, it's different for different people, right? Because I think that there's people who have a community within their religions, that people who have a community within their homeschooling organizations, they might have a community um, with their schools. So like, you know, the cohort of kindergarten moms or whatever it might be. So hopefully people are finding the community with wherever they feel the most comfortable and showing up. Um, it can be really difficult for working parents who don't have that time to do the drop off and pick up. Um, and it can be really difficult too for parents who have neurodivergent kids or who are neurodivergent themselves. So, um, you know, community is just different for everybody. And I hope that it's just like, you can find what you need, whether it's even online with forums or support groups or circles like you run. Um, it's, and it can be important to find, doesn't necessarily have to be kids with the same age, but that can be nice too, um, cause they're going through similar developmental stages. Like I have teenagers right now, but for instance, I had a community, we called it our focus group of moms with kids with ADHD. Mm. Cause it's like, we're needing to like navigate. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, and you know, and help our kids that have more of a squiggly path to figuring out the school system, which is not easy for them always. Yeah, I just want to pinpoint that this feels really important. Like the community piece feels so important to have this culture and the people that we spend the most time with of self-care. Because I know often the women that I work with, they feel they um, they're in communities where they wear their um, exhaustion and their depletion like a badge. And I'm just imagining what if we were in communities where self-care yeah. was the badge of honor and where we all supported one another to really take deep care of ourselves, not just by saying it out loud, but by doing it. Yeah. And I think that um, it first is like, yeah, absolutely being able to like, you know, have each other's back and like cheer each other on and, you know, like. Like, oh, I took a really long nap today. It's just like, good for you. Awesome. You know, not like, um, you know, like, oh, I have to clean the house and do the loads of laundry and all the different things. And um, I think that's that's so important for being able to support each other. And, you know, this the social emotional learning piece for our kids, they're watching us. You know, we are our child's number one social emotional coach, whether, you know, it's being taught, like I mentioned, it's being taught at school, but we are the ones that are, they're watching, you know, after school, before school, whether you're homeschooling all day on the weekends, over the summertime, all the different times. And um, we are, they're watching us as models, which is, you know, we have these spooky little things called mirror neurons. It's like sci-fi, you know, where the, our energy is, um, seeping into other people's brains and our kids are watching us and the way that we show up for ourselves. I mean, we show up for them too and helping them navigate and problem solve and validate and empathize all their emotions and such. 
whatever culture you're in, we're always looking to kid, build our kids to be responsible adults and have life skills. But they're watching us as well and how we're taking care of our own needs and our own mental health um, with the way that we are taking care of ourselves with self-care. And then there's also the self-compassion piece, which they can't see as readily, but they do see, you know, us getting a good night's sleep and, you know, like taking a break from them and, um, you know, soaking in the tub or whatever it might be. So it's, I think it's not only good for us to be cheering each other on as adults and parents, but it's just, you know, for us to be thinking about raising our kids, they're watching us in how we're doing that. And they're going to model how they take care of themselves as well. I just want to like give us a little hug, all of, you know, myself and our listeners, because, um, we don't need one more thing that we're doing that's not good enough to it's like this this balance but and this is probably where the self-compassion comes in right but it's this balance between like learning and growing and then having this sense of we don't have to be perfect in order to be a good enough mom i'm just thinking of like the times when I haven't modeled self-care for my kids or the times that I've been so dysregulated myself and those mirror neurons have been like, you know, they've been dysregulated because of me. Um, and rather than go into like the shame or the guilt of that, how can we, I don't know, either repair with ourselves, with them, and so that we can at least come back to neutral before we try to like improve. Yeah, 100%. So that's where the self-compassion piece comes in because, uh, you know, you can sit in the bathtub at night, that's great with the bubbles on. But if you're telling yourself what a poor job you did that day and how like, oh, I shouldn't have lost it. And like, that's so horrible. I know, you know, all the things that you're saying to yourself, then that's not self-care at all. That's, you know, Mm -hmm. really defeating to yourself and is going to seep through into you being dysregulated and your energy um, out to the world and your family. So that is where the self-compassion is just so important and critical for us to be mindful of and to be aware of. Um, and there's a whole movement on this now. It's not, you know, there's all self-care Sunday and all the different things that you can do, but really our metacognition is what it's called. Our thinking about thinking, our, our inner voice, our inner coach, our inner critic is happening milliseconds all throughout the day. And so if those thoughts and talk to ourselves are negative and putting ourselves down, um, it's going to create, you know, our own anxiety and dysregulation. And so Chris, Kristen Neff is the leader. She's an expert. She's actually local to us here in the Bay Area at UC Berkeley. And um, she's done a ton of research on this and she has a neurodivergent son herself. And so she's done a work on this herself. And she talks a lot about the need for um, kindness and um, understanding and acceptance uh, towards ourselves, especially when we're in pain or suffering or failure. Um, And she has three components that she talks about that we can dive into if you want, but she identifies the need to be able to treat yourself like you would 
somebody you love, or I like to say like a best friend. And it's really interesting to think about it like that because, you know, you wouldn't tell a best friend at the end of the day, like, oh yeah, you should not have yelled at your kid. You suck. You're a horrible mom. And, you know, look at all the, you know, challenges you're going to provide for your child after doing that. You would say like, tomorrow's a new day. It's okay. They understand you can repair it. You know, all the things that you would say to a best friend, we also need to be saying to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I often do this with your voice in my head. I say to myself, what would Elizabeth be saying to you right now um, after a, you know, kerfluffle with one of my kiddos? And the voice comes back. So she's very playful um, and she's so and she's a really good listener. So she, she says a lot of, of course, that was hard, Isabel. You're doing the best that you can that, you know, that was really, really hard. And you and look at how you held that space for your daughter. And um, for me, it's helpful to give that voice in my head like a real personality. Yeah. And she has taken on your personality because you and I think we all um we all strive to have an Elizabeth in our lives, someone who just sees us as our best self and is rooting for us no matter what, so that we can integrate that person into our, into that voice. I, the voice for me is the inner sister. Yep. Um, speak to, speak to yourself as if your chosen sister were speaking to you. Absolutely. And so I'm going to screenshot a picture of myself and send it to you. And so you can print it out. And what I want okay. everybody to do right now is picture somebody in your life, whether it's your, you know, partner, your a, a real sister, a, a parent or friend, whatever. Think about that. And then maybe we can make speech bubbles outside of the picture or you can draw whatever and put that on your mirror with okay. like what I would say or what that person would say so that we can create these scripts and have those be the things that are that running the, um, Oh, the, the, the voices in our head. So we can be each other's inner coach and inner cheerleader versus inner critics. I love that. Such a good idea. Yeah. So let's, we can pause and pause the podcast right now and yeah. think of some of the things that people would say to you and write them down. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now, welcome back. Hope you did that exercise. <laughs> okay. What's the next step? So, uh, the, um, Kristen Neff has three steps or three components of self-compassion. The first one is basically just self-kindness. And so that's where she talks about like understanding towards yourself and the acceptance that we all make mistakes. Um, instead of being harshly critical, you have the self-kindness. And that's where you talk about the best friend, you know, or the somebody who really loves you. What would they say to you? So we covered that. The second one is talking about common humanity. In that recognizing that everybody has feelings like this and everybody suffers, everybody has pain and imperfections and makes mistakes and that you are not alone in your suffering because this does, she has research on this. When you, when you feel the sense of, of, of common humanity, it's 
way easier to handle and to be able to tackle as not like I'm the only one who's yelled at my kid. I'm the only one who suffers in this way. I'm the only one who has back pain and that kind of thing. Um, and that's why the sisterhood is so important. And that's why, you know, podcasts and, and sharing information in communities, whether they're online or in, per, in person are so important because you're not alone. I was just at your house the other day and we were sitting in circle and people were saying, we were talking about some pretty deep, intimate things. And people were like, it's so good to hear other people share these things. I thought I was the only one. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that kind of stuff is just, we don't talk about the, the hard stuff so often, you know, we're on Facebook and Instagram talking about our vacations and our, you know, and where our hair is all done up and all the yeah. things, you know? So the common humanity piece is really important. And I felt a huge sense of relief and belonging. Belonging is so critical and, um, and just love for myself through others by being part of your community as well. Yeah. Agreed. It changed my life. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah, it is. And then the last one, which I actually think should be the first, is um, mindfulness. She talks about mindfulness is the third component of self-compassion. It involves being able to observe and accept your thoughts, emotions, sensations in the present moment. So mindfulness is basically just being aware of the present moment um, without judgment, which is really hard to do, mm -hmm. self-compassion piece, but um, and just having that non-judgmental acceptance towards our attitude, towards ourselves. Um, and that piece seems to me almost as it should be flipped to be the number one, because mm -hmm. if we are not able to be aware that we're even having negative self-talk or uh, thoughts, then we can't really flip it. So to me, and in the realm of social emotional learning, you know, we've taught a lot of like skill-based things and a lot of um, um, like ways to regulate and tools to share. But if you can't pause first to realize that you maybe have hurt somebody's feelings or maybe you, um, you know, reading their nonverbal social cues or maybe that you're starting to feel dysregulated and you need a tool, that's where the mindfulness piece comes in first to be able to pause and recognize what's needed in that moment. So it's, you know, it's something that's talked about a lot, but it's, I think it's not mentioned about how critical it is to have that pause. And so when you're thinking about self-compassion, to me, that need for pausing and recognizing that you're even having a negative thought or you're um, putting, you know, yourself down or being self-critical is is the first it's got to it's got to start there so then you can flip it so what are some signs that we haven't been mindful i think when we're just you know going through life and you know feeling burnt out when we're feeling um like anxious mm -hmm. when we're feeling alone um, those are signs that we have probably just been going through the motions and having a lot of, you know, doer mentality and, um, you know, I have to show up for this 
kid event. I have to, you know, get there on time with the snacks and the volunteer and get out the door and all the different things. It's not, you know, I have to be the one. I can't, you know, have my neighbor take my kid because all the different things, then that is probably when we need to pause and slow down a little bit and recognize um, that it's um, um, not, we're not being mindful in those moments. And it's time to like take inventory and pause and slow down a little bit. I find it so ironic that we, when we have so much to do and we're all so busy, which we are this time of year moving into the summer, that this is the time when we really, where mindfulness is so useful and yet we're so resistant to it because we don't have enough time. Um, other people need us. There's, there's no, there's no room. Um, I'm raising my hand here. I'm just like giggling at myself, you know, I know. And I feel like I'm adding, I don't want people to think like I'm adding one more thing. So I don't know if we want to pause for a second and talk about things that make it. So a lot of my, what my work that I do is, um, to make it simple and make it stick and not to put more on top of your already busy life. It's to add it into what you're already doing. Um, and that's how I teach social emotional learning for everything that I do and, you know, the work that I've written about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have actually this week um, and it'll, I'm trying to figure out a way to make it stay because I um, it's in my stories. I have a um, one minute uh, mindfulness and gratitude practice that I did on Instagram. So it's literally like, you know, you pause before you go into the school or if you can get to the pick up line early, you know, listen to um, one minute in my Instagram stories <clears throat> for um, for seven days of a mindfulness and gratitude project. So, mm-hmm. and I will then put that in my highlights. If, if somebody's listening to this after this week, then they can go to my highlight or my website and just do that for seven days. And um, I've combined the mindfulness of just getting grounded and noticing um, your environment through the five senses, sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell, and experiences and people. Mm-hmm. And then also pairing it with gratitude because, you know, you and I are in, a, in a, a group together where we do a lot of reading about different aspects of self-development. And one of them was Pam Grott's work on um, mm-hmm. gratitude. It's really changed my life. And so gratitude, I'm sprinkling in gratitude to it as well, because that is the self-talk that we do in terms of the situations that we're in. So it can be as simple as just one minute a day. Um, but even other things too, like, you know, when you're walking to your child's room and you know, they're dysregulated, or maybe you're dysregulated, you just feel your feet on the ground before, or even your hand on the knob before you open the door or, you know, listening to music when you're in the car, you know, just maybe, you know, obviously you have to think about driving too, but maybe you get somewhere a little bit earlier and you listen to a very calming, peaceful music um, that you, that makes you feel calm, mindful eating, you know, there's just so many listening to the birds. Those are all like even taking, I have my warm tea here, you know, your hands around your warm tea or coffee and holding it for a minute and just letting that soak into your body or smelling it or tasting it. Those are all mindful moments that don't have to feel overwhelming. So I just want it to be, you know, it doesn't have to be this like sitting for 20 minutes of meditation or, um, 
or going for like an hour long mindful walk without your screens. It could just be real simple things. I do a lot of just when I'm driving, um, breathing in and I am breathing out. Yeah. I am breathing in. If you do that with me, everybody just take a deep breath in. I am breathing in and I am breathing out. And I oftentimes before I go in or after I've had a difficult situation with my kids of putting my hand on my heart and my belly and just even in front of them too, it's one breath for me. And one breath for you. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Where else can we find more of this type of work? Um, well, I follow Chris and Neff's work for the self-compassion piece of it. And we'll put a link for that in the notes. Okay, great. Yeah. And I, there's so much out there. I mean, you can say your favorite mindfulness. I have um, an app that comes to me. It's called I am, and there are positive affirmations for the self-kindness and compassion. I sent you the one that came up today Mm -hmm. to you. It was so crazy. I went to go like, you know, look at the notes that Isabel and I were going to be talking about today. And I pulled up my app and it said, I give Elizabeth Sauter extra doses of self-care and self-love when I need to boost my positivity. So, I mean, that's a little bit, um, they're usually more simple than that. And it just like resonates for the day. So just little apps like that. I also like Insight Timer and Headspace and Calm. Um, And if you're an educator, you can get Calm for free. So, and then also little things like Go Noodle for kids. You know, there's just so many different like, it doesn't have to be breathing too. Like for kids and people who like movement, you can da- have a mindful dance it out, you know, and just say, Hey, can you listen to just the drums as you're stomping your feet? That can be mindful or let's go outside and just lie on the ground and look at the clouds, you know, or watch the leaves flow in the wind or the fishbowl or have a sensory break. Those all can be mm-hmm. mindful. Just put your phones away and just try to focus on that one thing and be in that moment. Totally. I love that. Okay. We're coming to the end of our time. Is there anything else you want to make sure our listeners know before we say goodbye? Um, I think that we can just think about, you know, I know that your theme for the month is like, you know, self-care, nurturing, refueling. And so maybe you and I collectively can come up with a, you know, taking this information and actually having a plan to do something with it so that it feels more tangible. So, I mean, I really just invite all of you to plan some pauses Mm -hmm. and during those pauses at this point in time, just notice, just notice your self-talk. Are you cheering yourself on and saying, I got this, you know, like it's, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. And, you know, are you talking to yourself like your best friend would? Um, just notice. That's the mindfulness piece is just notice without judgment. Just notice what your self-talk is. And then, um, so plan the pauses, notice the talk. Is it inner coach or inner critic? And then replace. And that's what we did already today is just, you know, you're printing out a picture of that person, whether it's mentally or physically printing it out. And, you know, putting in a thought bubble, I have these sticky notes actually that are actually shaped as a talking bubble, or you can do a thought bubble, or you can draw it, whatever, or you can just put it in lipstick on your mirror, whatever, what 
that person would say to you and say those things to yourself. Yes. Reset pan. Pause, notice the thoughts, and then change them if you need to with the, and it's, it, you know, there's, there's, you know, the negative bias and our, it's, it don't beat yourself up for having the negative thoughts, please. We need self-compassion around that. It is human nature to protect ourselves and say those things in different ways, but we can change that as well. The human brain is miraculous. Yes. So our next empowering action is to do those three steps. Yes. Pause, plan for pauses to note it and then notice. So, and then change if needed. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much. And for those of you who want community and would like to share your experience of this next empowering action, where can they reach you, Elizabeth, so they can share what um, this created for them? So um, they can reach me at elizabethsauter.com. I have a lot of information over there about my work. I'm doing a lot more on Instagram. I'm trying to, you know, um, show up with community there. And it's interesting. It's it's a lot of work, but it's I have found some like-minded professionals and parents, and it feels like a really great community over there. So I'm doing a lot more on Instagram and stories and um, I think the podcast is going to launch right around the launch of my new, I have a book, make social emotional learning stick, mm-hmm. um, for parents. And then I've created a, um, a mindfulness and gratitude coloring book and journal for families. And so that makes it really easy for make it simple to make it stick for parents to implement this with your families. So that'll be coming out right around the time, if not the day of this podcast coming Yay! out I'm excited for that. And we'll have, um, websites for all of that in the notes as well. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I will see you and we'll play soon. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. That's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you. Today's episode was produced by Brendan Lindsay. Intro and outro music are by Matthew Randolph. I'm Isabel Bridges, author of Daddy Daughter Day. I'm also the founder of the Mother's Empowerment Sisterhood. You can learn more about my work and join the sisterhood at isabelbridges.com. I'm offering a 50% off discount for a limited time only. So check it out today, isabelbridges.com.